very challenging episode this week and I'll talk a bit about why this episode is going to be a little bit challenging. But if you're a first-time listener, I just want to say thanks for joining us. We hope that you take away some real positive insight and content that will help you be the very best you can be. And if you're a long-time listener, thank you for always showing up and for helping us and for supporting us because you know our vision. Our vision is to help sellers be the very best they can be. And I'm really excited about this week's episode because the person we have joining us this week, and I'll talk a bit about why I mentioned it's a challenging episode, because the person joining us, when they wrote a particular book a couple of years back, it really did create a lot of debate. It created a lot of debate around, you know, there were some people that were polar, it was absolute polar opposites from an opinion perspective. Some people hated it. They, they said some negative things about it and others it completely transformed their pipeline and their sales process. And I'm in the secondary camp. I actually really enjoyed the book and I took some of the concepts and implemented them and it helped me achieve amazing results. And the one thing that I want to say, which I find really interesting is if you look at all the books out there, there are so many different sales books. And the reality is like, I don't think there's any new content out there it's just people's interpretation changes. They read things differently and then they come up with their own version of things. And, and this particular book that we're going to talk about and the concepts, and, and we're also going to talk about sort of how it's changed since the author wrote the book, but it probably wasn't the original time that it started. You could even go back 20, 30 years ago when Miller Hyman wrote some books about certain concepts and say, well, you know what, there's some connection to that. So I think the key thing for, for any of the content that you engage in any of the podcasts, any of the webinars, any of the books that you're reading, there is always something that can help you get better. You know, where I'm going to with this is think about this, like don't necessarily look at a book and say, you know what, it was a waste or I've read this before. Use the opportunity to say, hang on, how can I see things just a little bit differently, right? And the reason why it's so important is because in today's modern buying journey, what we're actually seeing is it's becoming harder and harder for our prospects to arrive at a point of decision. And we had the incredible Jen Allen on our show a few months ago, and she spoke about the data actually say, the data that they have is that about 39% of deals end up in the no decision category. It's where the buyer couldn't come to a point of decision. They maintain the status quo. And because there's a lot of complexities now surrounding the decision-making process, even for the smaller size deals, there are more people involved in that decision-making journey. There are more people influencing that decision-making process. So we as sellers, we need to be enabling our buyers. We need to be helping our buyers make sense of all the information that's being thrown at them and really help them develop the business case for change so that when they do come to that point of decision, they've got confidence in the decision they're about to make. This podcast is brought to you by the Create Pipeline program from Sales IQ Global. This program will equip you with the skills, tools, and confidence to run an outbound strategy so you can generate more qualified opportunities and close more deals. Hear what Alice from DocuSign has been able to achieve since joining the program and our incredible community. So my name's Ellis and I work at DocuSign as an EBR. And the, the reason I started Sales IQ was because I really needed that that guidance and that training to make sure that the outreach that I was doing was 
hitting the nail on the head. So I, I was lucky enough to, to start the program early on in, in this role. And um, since then, I've been pretty successful. And last quarter, I finished on 185%. So I've, I've seen some huge results by adopting the principles. Our next cohort is starting soon. So to learn more, go to www.salesiqglobal.com. Or if you have a team of sellers, talk to us about our in-house offering. Control your pipeline, control your destiny with Sales IQ. Now, this is where our guest this week comes into play. Brent Adamson authored The Challenger Sale, an incredible book. And I say this, as I said earlier, you either hated it or you loved it. But what I really took away, me personally, what I took away from that book was the insight-led approach to selling. It's about helping the prospect learn and identify something they didn't know before they engage with us. And that's, that's a value creation piece, right? And that's what I took away from the book. I took away that insight. I took away, and it made me really think about how do I engage with my prospects? How do I engage with my buyers in a way that I can be teaching them things, that I can be leading with insight, that I can be educating them? It really did change my mindset around all this stuff. And even though there's been a number of years since the book was written, there is still it's still relevant to today, even though you could argue that some of the concepts should be different. And that's why we've got Brent on today, because we are going to now talk a bit about the term making sense and why helping our buyers make sense of everything is so important in the modern buying journey. But we will touch on the book because there are concepts that Brent will bring into this. And again, for any seller right now, that the markets are getting a bit harder to sell in, right? Like we know this, m most organizations are letting people go. They're calling it a, a reorg or an org structure change, or you know they're coming up with some pretty cool PR terms around it, right? But the reality is it's because the market is slowing down a little bit, right? And so as we as sellers try to continue to sell in a declining market, what's gonna start to happen is there's going to be more scrutiny. There's going to be a more focus on that business case. And, and the questions are going to be asked, you know, is this something that we need to make a decision now on or can we delay the project? So from a seller's perspective, helping our buyers make sense and really come up with a strong business case for change is crucial. So I, I think you're going to walk away from this episode going, wow, you know, I, I'm thinking differently. It's given me some ideas. And if you do want to dive deeper on this particular topic, in September, we have Brent attending one of our community sessions where he'll be talking live to our audience, answering any questions and really bringing this topic to life further. If you want to check that out, check out the show notes, the link's there for you to join. And so you can check out not just Brent's session, but we've got a whole ton of other guests, a whole ton of other experts and a whole ton of other content that'll help you be the very best sales professional you can be. Welcome to the show, Brent. Luigi, how are you today? Yeah, I'm going very well, mate. You know, it's it's interesting, Brent. Over my career, I've read some amazing books. There have been some incredible thought leaders that have helped me take my career to, to the next level. And I'm actually really excited to have you on our podcast because you're one of those authors. The yeah. Challenger Sale, for anybody listening to this, The Challenger Sale is one of those books that has helped me close many deals. So I just want to say thanks for coming on our podcast mate we're, we're really excited to have you on oh no i appreciate that it's you know it's that book we we kind of knew we had something pretty special when we decided to write the book i don't know that we knew that we had what we turned out to have but it was kind of lightning yeah. in a bottle 
it was the right message at the right time for the right group of people. But I'll tell you, Luigi, I mean, uh, it's humbling. It, it, I have been able to do in my career something that all of us aspire to do, including you, I'd imagine, which is have a material impact on individuals' quality of life in a way that I could have never imagined. So if the book has touched anyone out there listening in a positive way like that, man, I, that's awesome. It's just super cool yeah. here. So I appreciate it. Nice. And thanks. And you know what? I also found it's one of those books where you get polar opposite opinions. You get people like, <laughs> I love the book. And then people like, you can't do, you can't challenge people and tell customers. I'm like, mate, that's not the concept of the book. I think you've just missed yeah. the whole concept of the book, right? You had people coming from polar opposite ends of the yeah. spectrum. So I love the debate that the Challenger book created. There's an interesting story. So the, the language, for those who like to follow this stuff closely, the language of the book and in the book was chosen very carefully to mirror the actual concepts being discussed or presented in the book. So the the word challenger is actually challenging, right? So they, and the reason we did that is we actually had a long debate way back when, when we were putting the work together and there was a discussion around, do we just call this the new relationship builder or the new seller? And that was actually on the whiteboard for a while as one of the options. And ultimately we didn't go with that because what, what I found was, and what we all found collectively is we began testing this idea with, with audiences is we would get too many what I call false positives. In other words, too many people say, oh, you're so right, that is so important. I do that too, that's why I do that. And you look at what they're doing, it's like, you're not doing any of that. So, I mean that diplomatically, but so, yeah. so I, but there's a lesson in that I think for all of us, which is particularly with my background, I'm a trained linguist of all things. I've, I, was a, I was a linguistics professor and German professor before I got into this stuff. And so I love language, I like to play with language, but language can be so important for sort of chalking the pitch or chalking the field of a discussion and, and staking out a certain perspective. So, so there are times when you actually want to name something closer in to what people already expect, and sometimes you want to choose language that's farther out from where they are, because all of that language choice is actually part mm -hmm. of your challenger story. It's part of your reframing. It's part of your mental model making and breaking. And so don't overlook, for those of you like geek out on the stuff like I do, don't overlook that opportunity yeah. to think about the actual words you use and the things and how you name things as a way to challenge your customer's thinking. Yeah, very interesting. And 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 I just want to, we have, we've gone past that point, usually at the start of the podcast, Brent, I say, look, tell us a bit about how you got into the world of sales. But yeah. for those of you, for those of you that might not know who you are in your work, do you want to maybe tell us a little bit about, you know, how you started in this, in this world, in, in, in the sales world? <laughs> I was born. <laughs> so I've been, so I'm getting up there in age. I've been doing this for about 30 years in some fashion or other. So my background, Luigi, is actually, as I mentioned, as an academic. So I ultimately went to school to become a professor of, well, first political science, that didn't work out. And then eventually became a German professor in applied linguistics, which is how to study and learn foreign languages. And then I got a business degree and then came, joined a company called Corporate Executive Board or CEB. And that's kind of where the journey that you guys are all collectively mildly interested in. That's where it started. Where we spent, I spent the last 19 years, eventually CB became acquired by Gartner about five years ago. Yep. And there I just spent all that time researching sales and marketing and service and success and trying to understand what world-class looks like. So, so you put all that together, there's this weird transition about 15 years in on that career, but basically I've made an entire professional life out of researching stuff and teaching stuff, which is what I, yeah. it's what I love to do. And then about three months ago, I left Gartner and I'm at a company called Ecosystems now, which is yeah. a, a Everything's a software as a service provider, so it's a software as a service provider. We can talk a little bit more about them if you want, but that's that's my story. Yeah, awesome. Well, mate, thanks for sharing. Yeah. And so, look, I, I I think we'll touch a little bit upon the book, but something that I really, really, really excited about talking to you about, and it's yeah. something that I'm starting to to get my head around. Right, 
I've really seen the buying journey change dramatically over the past, you know, pre-COVID it was changing, but then all of a sudden we've seen this, you know, huge shift in the way that companies are buying. In fact, it's getting more difficult than ever before, right? And there's a graphic that Gartner share of the modern buying journey. And I put that up into my training sessions and people are like, yeah, that's what it looks like. And it's just, yeah. It's overwhelming when you look at it, yeah. right? And you think to yourself, yeah. and, and we know the stats and, and Jen Allen, who you know well, and yeah. I love the, some of the stuff that she quotes, you know, 38% of B2B engagements end up in no decision. And yeah. I can see why. I can see that yeah. buyers are kind of going, man. And then on top of all of that, all the information that they've got access to today is fantastic, but it's also, well, how do we actually collect all this information and help us make an informed decision to move to the next step? You wrote an article, Sensemaking, Mm -hmm. and I love the the, the term, you know, making sense of things and being a sense maker. Can you just help us sort of understand, you know, where did this concept come from and why is it such an important concept for sellers today? 100%. 100%. So then just to be clear that the idea of sense making as a concept, it predates anything we did at Gartner. Yeah. But this research, and I was, you know, Nick Toman, who's now at SBI, and a bunch of researchers put together this body of work called sense making, starting about 2018, I guess it was. So it was before the pandemic, but it's, I think, become more important now. But what happened was, back up just a tiny bit, so about six years ago or so, as we continued to study selling and what world-class selling looks like, the thing that became really clear to us as a research team, and I think particularly to me is, if we really want to understand how to sell effectively today, Luigi, it's not that we need to study selling and how selling is changing, because frankly, selling hasn't changed that much, which is actually kind of mm-hmm. problematic, because when you look at buying, buying has changed dramatically. And the yeah. way that buyers engage in a purchase decision, go on the purchase journey, is so much is so incredibly different today than it was in 2010 when we wrote the Challenger sale that I think it offers, at the very least, opportunity even to go back to challenger work, which I still stand by, I think all of us do, and say, to reinterpret it in the context of today's purchase decision. So the, I think there's a couple things that have really changed dramatically on the B2B side. We can pick them apart and talk about each if you want, but the sense-making, so there, well, let me, I'll tell you what the three are that come to mind first, is, is the complexity of buying, just the number of people involved, the number of steps you gotta go through. That's that slide you were talking about. I call it the spaghetti bowl. The title of the slide is a long, hard slog, which I think is the perfect name for for a B2B purchase. It, you know, it's 12 to 24 months of misery, yeah. not because of you, the seller, but because of the, company, the customer's own mm. internal silos and complexity. So there's buying complexity. There is also just the rise of digital and how digital has changed and allowed customers to do things more on their own than ever before. So that's a whole nother story we could talk about. But the sense-making story, that gets at sort of the third a leg of this table maybe is 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 the role that information plays in our world today in, a, in radically different than it did in 2009 2010 so if you go back to 2009 2010 and particularly a little later when we wrote the second book the challenger customer the story then was you know, like there's more information out there than ever before customers through digital channels are empowered to learn on their own so they can do their own discovery they can do their own learning long before they ever proactively pick up the phone and and reach out to you the sales rep to get your input on what you're doing or what they're doing. So by the time you get involved, oftentimes a lot of their thinking is is kind of coalesced around an idea and you're there to yeah. you know to for a tender or for an RFP. Fast forward to today, what's what's really interesting, I think the challenge it's not that we caused this with Challenger, but I think we certainly caught the wave and we're all as part of this ride. In the late 
2000, what would those be? The, the aughts, right, from 2000 to 2010. One of the things we, we saw pretty clearly in the research is that companies' ability to differentiate based on their solutions, like the fact that mm -hmm. they offer this wide range of different capabilities, that opportunity to differentiate was diminishing, not because it wasn't a great strategy, it's because their competitors were building out similar sets of capabilities. So my yeah. solution was competing against your solution. And while it was a great solution, it was not a, it, it was still a somewhat of a commoditized solution. I think of, you know, global logistics companies like UPS, mm. FedEx, DHL, they've got great companies, great solutions, but they still all kind of look alike. So right about that time, I think there's this really interesting shift in mindset of like, you know, the best way to differentiate today isn't so much on what we sell, but how we sell. And that's really the heart soul of a lot of what Challenge is about. Go to market, not just with this world-class solution, but with a game-changing insight that changes the way that customers think about their business. All right, so that's yeah. that's the backdrop. Now, fast forward from 2010 to 2020, what happens? Well, one way or another, whether you've gotten on the challenger journey or not, most companies realize this closing opportunity to differentiate based on solutions. It's not, it's, it's diminished, it's not vanished, but it's diminished. Yeah. So I gotta find a new way to compete. I compete on content, on insight, and it's right about, right about this time, Luigi, you were part of this, right? The, which is about every CMO, every head of, uh, maybe every head of sales, most heads of sales, and certainly every CEO woke up at some point around 2015 and said, you know what we need to do? We need to be a thought leader. Because if we're a thought leader in our industry, then we're going to demonstrate to the marketplace that we're smarter than everyone else, that we have better, deeper insights yeah. that are more tailored to our customers' mission-critical priorities. And right about the time, marketing got on the bandwagon of content marketing. We had more Mar MarTech. You think about Scott Brinker's diagram with all the logos on it of all the different MarTech solutions. And so now we've got not only a mandate to produce content, we've got the means to produce content, and we've got the means to do it at scale on massive, in, in massive volumes. And so everyone sort of jumped on the thought leadership bandwagon. And that sounds mean, but, but there was good reasons why we all did this. And I call this the smartness arms race, right? So we all decided that we're gonna compete with each other and demonstrate to our customers that we're smarter than everyone else. And what happens is in a smartness arms race, it turns out it kind of ended in a tie. And the only mm -hmm. one to lose is your customer because from a customer's perspective, it used to be my goal or my job was to go through all this information and sift it to, to separate yep. signal from noise or wheat from chaff, find the stuff that mattered most, make my decision, call up the rep and ask how much of a discount I could get to buy that thing. Now in this world, Luigi, everybody's out there, whether they're saying you know, commercial insights based on challenger or just saying really smart stuff based on data and research, just about everybody's got a take. Everybody's got some yeah. content. Everybody's got a smart perspective. And so when you talk to customers, what you find is virtually every one of them, in the research we did at Gardner was 90, the most recent number I think was 92% of customers said that the, the information they encountered as part of a purchase was generally of high quality. It was relevant, yeah. it was backed by data, it was well-researched, it was supported by experts. But where that leaves your customer is not like, oh my God, this is great, I've got so much awesome information. Where it leaves them is completely overwhelmed because yeah. you're telling me to zig, they're telling me to zag, you've got data, they've got data, now I'm just confused at a higher level. Or even some ways worse, you're telling me to zig, you've got data, they're telling me to also zig, and they've got data. So now you're not differentiated, you're all just saying this, you're smart, but you're equally smart. Yeah. So I can't get the quality of the information to make a decision. So I'll, I'll stop and take a breath here in a second, I promise. But the backdrop of this, I think is really important to understand is this was not our reality in 2010 when Challenger came out, but it is today. Whereas what we're finding through a lot of research and data is that customers 
are confused at a higher level. They're just overwhelmed with high quantities of high quality yeah. information. And the thing that ultimately gets them stuck isn't, it's their, you know what it is, it's their lack of confidence in making a decision. Mm -hmm. It's their lack of confidence in knowing what to do next because they've got so many different people telling them so many different things. I, yeah. I don't know if that resonates with you, but I'll tell you, that's we're seeing a lot of that going on right now. No, it absolutely. <laughs> Because again, you know, when, when you go down the search bucket, whether it's Google or you go into communities and communities are playing such an incredible role today, right? In how yeah. people search and look for things. It is interesting because you're like, well, this is great. I've, I've got all this info, but yeah, again, in selling transformation or selling change, I'm not talking about yeah. widgets and transactional stuff, but in selling transformation and, and selling change, and this is something that I've historically learned selling large projects, you know, with yeah. large enterprise organizations. It's not a practice. It's not something that they buy all the time. Yeah. So it's not like they've got the knowledge and go, hey, this is how we get all the stakeholders around the table aligned. This is how we get, you know, under really clear on the problem we're trying to solve. Like this is how we implement. They don't have that expertise to some extent. And yeah. I can I can see why they sit there sometimes scratching their head going, maybe just we can see the fire burning. It's okay, let's just leave the fire burning for a while because going through these projects right. is going to be difficult. Because the headache, yeah, the stress, the headaches, the frustration, the awfulness of trying to herd the cats in our own organization, at some point it's just not worth it. It's not worth the the personal credibility I put online. It's not worth the, just the, the agita of having to do it. So there, there's kind of, again, there's two dynamics at play here. One is customers are overwhelmed with their own internal buying complexity or decision complexity. Mm. And simultaneously, they're overwhelmed with all sorts of people telling them really smart stuff mm. that just makes them that much more confused. And so I think when we think about the single biggest opportunity for a sales professional today in this kind of environment, if you really want to differentiate yourself, is to adopt this role of of guide. So it's not what we sell, it's not how we sell, it's how we help, right? So how can I help you? I, I tell them when I talk to CEO, CSOs, I'm talking to like just about anybody, anybody to listen other than my kids because they never do. But the, <laughs> it's like, if you're going to do one thing in sales and for that matter, marketing today, it is to, to solve for customer confidence. But it's not customer confidence in you, your product or your person or your capabilities or your experience or your brand. It's to solve for customers' confidence in themselves and their ability to do two things to navigate their own internal complexity and come to a decision with their colleagues, and two, to come to some sort of conclusion that they feel good about based on all of that confusing and overwhelming information. So the solution to one, this internal complexity, we call that buyer enablement. So how can I become my customer's buying guide, take them by the hand and coach them, guide them through their own internal you know, decision-making complexity. So yeah. that might sound like, have you, have, you, have you included the procurement office? Because when you do, they're going to have some questions. You probably want to get them involved early, not later, because when they get involved late, they blow everything up. It's going to drive you nuts. You know, we find and work yeah. with other, I love this line, and working with other customers like you, yeah. one thing we find is if you bring them in early, they're going to have three questions. Here's the questions you're going to have to be able to answer. I, I've already put together the deck to help you have that conversation. All, that would be examples of what I call buyer enablement. Coach your customer, because you might think like, Dude, it's their organization. It's I don't know if you'd say dude or not, but you say it's their organization, it's their complexity, it's their problem. Why is it on me or how am I supposed to know how to solve this? And the thing is, it's your point. They're going through this probably for the first yeah. time or first time in a long time. You've got 10 other customers over here that just went through the same thing. Learn yeah, no. from them to teach to them, right? Yeah. 
And then, so that's, that's fire enablement. Now, sense making is over here is the, is the other prong of this of, of this two prong approach of making your customers more confident. Sense making lands in a really interesting place, Luigi, which is. If you think about, I'm going to say the number one thing, but I've got two things on the table. So one of the number one, if one of the crucial things that's overwhelming your competitors is too much high quantities of high quality information, that's what that's your bogey. That's it. the thing you're competing against as a sales professional. Isn't your competitors' capabilities? It's that massive amount of information. So when you sit down with your customer virtually, in person, figuratively, or, or uh, literally. I think the thing that we, every one of us really should and could have today as a sales professional, which was not nearly so important five to 10 years ago, is an information plan. Mm. So just like we have or an information strategy. So just as we have an engagement strategy, we have a stakeholder plan, we, we build all our strategies and plans and account plans, yeah. who we're going to talk to, what we're going to say. You need to have a plan for information. How am I going to engage this customer with information, how am I going to talk about information? And the high-level lesson again, the the article "Sense Making for Sales" it's in HBR, which is kind of cool. It's in the January issue of the print magazine, and it's called "Sense Making for Sales." And the and the, the upshot of that work is what we found in doing this research. We found most sales professionals have one of three approaches to information. This is not a profile; it's not a personality type. But when you think about how I engage customers with information, it's either giving, telling, or sense making. So giving is. You know, there's plenty more information where that came from. They asked me for a white paper, I give them two because I think I see it as my role as a sales professional. Now, the, the way that I create value for my customers is, is the provision of information. So if providing them some information is good, providing them lots of information must be amazing. And every time they want to talk to me, they're asking me for something. So I need to, this is the same sales rep that comes back to sales enable and says, I need another insight. You say, why? Just gave you one. Is it because I got to talk to them again? I need something new to say. And all you're doing, I call this indiscriminate generosity. All you're doing is just adding fuel to the fire of their confusion. So then there's the telling approach. And Luigi, for someone like you or me who's been doing this for a long time, the trap here is to fall into this sort of, I've been doing this for a long time. I've been selling for 30 years. Let me tell you the one thing you need to do. So we kind of adopt this role of expert. Like, mm -hmm. in my opinion, you should, as opposed to a role of connect. Remember that phrase I gave you a little bit ago? In working yeah. with other customers like you, one of the things we've learned is, Notice I'm not the expert there. I'm just the connector. I'm connecting you to the information yeah. over here. I'm just a conduit. But if I say, I've been doing this for 30 years, and I think I've got to boil down to three things you need to focus on, now I'm, now I'm positioning myself as an expert. Yeah. And what we find in this world where you can backstop and check everything, and I can, I can learn from multiple sources, taking on that role of the telling rep of the, doesn't actually, it actually kind of backfires. Mm. So, and there's a lot of data bar charts behind all this, but the role that really wins is this sense-making role, which is, and, and the way that you adopt a sense-making approach is very simple in terms of a the way it sounds at least is simple, which is yeah. it's just acknowledge the challenge. You know, there's a there's so much information out there. I would imagine it's pretty overwhelming. Why don't we sit down and go through all of it? And let me see if I could just help you make sense yeah. out of out of it for you. So so again, my role is not to tell you. My role is to guide. It's to create a. So if if challenger is all about frame breaking, mm -hmm. Luigi, I think this is all about frame making. So yeah. how do I create a framework? for you, the customer, to come to your own conclusions that are best for you and relevant for you such that you feel more confident in the decisions that you make. So I can narrow that information. I can steer you. I can guide you and say, there's probably three questions you may want to ask yourself, but I, I leave it up to you to come to your own answers to those three questions. Yeah. But how can I just narrow that down so it doesn't feel so overwhelming? That's what sense-making is all about, really. And 
you know what? I'm, Buy that for a dollar? What do you think? <laughs> we've got about five podcasts in that in that section. We could go to completely different paths here, Brent. But yeah. I love this. And I just want to go back a step, right, because something that you said is very important. We see patterns when we engage with our clients. Like we're seeing yeah. things all the time, right? And I love yeah. that. That's one of my go-to phrases. I connect, you know, hey, you know, my clients that have gone to this stage usually do X, right? It's a perfect yeah. frame up, you know. It's a it's yeah. a it's a Caldini totally special great. if anybody's ever watched Influence, right? You're you're framing yeah. it up. But, well, it's amazing. The book Influence is brilliant if you haven't yeah. read it. Yeah, I'm a big fan of it, and and yeah. but but I think with what you're saying there is 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 I love it because you know I've been guilty of that that you go, man, I've done this before. I'm telling you, this is a recommendation that's perfect for you, right? I've been yeah. that telling sort of guy. Yeah. And, before but i love the way that you're explaining around the guiding process the hey when you get to this stage this is usually what happens and here's some stuff that can help you so again absolutely love that buyer enablement but then you know getting to that sense making and this is where i find or this is where i see this moves us from one side of the table to the other I the sense-making component is when we walk around and we sit them side by side in a virtual world, but yeah. we're actually then helping them go, let's get everything that we've got on the table and let's formulate how this all works and how this can help you. And one of the one of the strategies that I've used, and it's been quite a successful strategy, is I actually tell them, look, let me help you come up with the plan. Whether you yeah. choose me or not, let's not make that the focus. Let's make the focus of actually making this a successful implementation first. Yep. When, when we get that plan together, then you've got the confidence to make the decision. And if I'm part of that decision, great. If I'm not, well, at least I've made a positive impact and I've delivered some value, right? Exactly right. Yeah. That usually kills the tension. Yeah. And what's interesting, you mentioned Robert Cialdini's book, Influence. It, what's happening there is actually at a very human level, not at a commerce mm. level or a sales level, but a very human level, there's something going on there that's really interesting to me, Luigi, because I'm a social scientist, right, by training. So it's it's um it's effectively what's known as a value exchange, right? So it's mm-hmm. something that we is like hardwired into our DNA as human beings, which is I am more than happy well, I don't know more than happy, but I'm more I'm more willing to to provide you something of value because you've provided me something of value. Yeah. And what's interesting here is the thing that you provided, the valuable thing, Luigi, that you provide me in this scenario isn't information. It isn't a framework. The valuable thing you provided me is confidence. Yeah. You've, you've changed the way that I think about myself. This is literally how marriages and dating and like all human relations are kind of built on the same sort of set of physics, which is when I'm around you, Luigi, you make me feel better about myself. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, and so, so almost subconsciously, I kind of want to be around you more. I want to do yeah. something with that. I want to, and so, you know, that, does that guarantee you're going to get my business? Absolutely not. But it guarantees that we're going to have the kind of relationship that where I want to do business with you. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. It's exactly, th- that to me is really interesting. And and the thing I think, here's what, let me get your thoughts on this. Because I, I mean this sincerely. Because when I talk about this stuff, it's so easy in my mind for it to start to sound like really cynical. Like, you know what you need to do? You need to say it like this. So they're going to you know, trick them into thinking. Like, I, I think that the thing that you, you got to mean it, it's got to be sincere. It's got to, you got to really actually want to help them and not just it's like, Brent, what's the five-step playbook of being helpful is not the right question here. It's rather, it's like instinctively, I think in some ways you'll know how to help, but, but it, it's got to come from the heart as much as the head. Absolutely. I think you think, I don't know. That's, that's where I'm at. 
No, no, and I totally, and you know what's interesting, right? Because often, yeah. and, and again, when I when I'm coaching sellers, it's interesting the type of responses you get. I, you know, we yeah. show them the data. Hey, the biggest thing that influences yeah. the buyer is the experience with you. You know, not product, not service, not price. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, but then what if all my competitors are doing selling exactly the same as me? And I say, hey, you know what the best thing about this? And I'm a seller, yeah. so I can say this. Yeah. Yeah. Most salespeople don't want to spend the time selling in this way because it's yeah. hard work. It's not easy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And again, I've sold into transformational deals. It's freaking hard, right? When you're trying yeah. to get 15 people, you're, you're, it's the it's the ebb and flow. You're like, I'm there, and then all of a sudden, you're like, Oh my god, I feel like I've gone back six months in the deal, right? Yeah. So, it's, it's hard work, one. right? Yeah. It it takes emotional energy to really care about your yeah. customers. Yeah. I agree. It requires an emotional investment, right? Mm. And. And particularly if I'm managing a pipeline, right? Managing a pipeline feels like a very tactical thing to do, right? It's a very mechanical thing to do. And by the way, it's important too. So I'm not suggesting you don't need a pipeline, don't need to make you do, right? But the, but but there's certain there's certain aspect of what we're talking about here, Luigi. It sounds like you're you're like we're vibing on this, which is you kind of have to feel it. You have to like if I'm going to help you feel if I want to help you feel better about yourself. I got to, I, I, your win is my win. I feel better about myself when you feel better about yourself. And by the way, if you don't feel better about yourself, I don't feel good about my, I mean, there's, it's just like, it's, it's kind of like a relationship. You have to emotionally yeah. invest here. And that's, that's not only hard, it's like, it's risky, right? Just like relationships can be risky, right? So it's, it's, I can see why yeah. people might stay away from it. And I, I know because I've been at that point, right, where I've invested yeah. this energy, I've right. invested my emotions, I've built great relationships, and then you get the, your call to say you haven't been successful and you're like, mate, I've just spent six months <laughs> right? I'm pre-COVID, yeah. jumped on planes or whatever it looks like and it hurts, right? Just like a relationship breakup. It's like, oh, like I had this expectation. Yeah. What, what hurts more, Louis? Is it when, you're, is it when you're, you're the person you're dating says we need to talk or when your customer calls and says it turns out that, right? So what, yeah. I don't, those two phrases, we need to talk, and it turns out that are two of the worst phrases you can hear in this kind of world, right? It's like, but it's true. And yeah. then, you know, what's also interesting is, and sometimes you see your champion, right? You see the yeah. person built, so they're actually disappointed. They feel, they're they also feeling that sense of, yeah. look, and you go, okay, and for me, that's an indicator. I've just had, I've had this, I've just had this experience, right? So I could, I could tell it firsthand. <laughs> I'm so sorry. And it's become a therapy session now. <laughs> But then you, you review, and you know what I found was I actually didn't invest the right level of time as well influencing other people around the table because what I'd found through, you know, because we had a great relationship, he was actually outvoted on the decision-making for somebody yeah. else. And again, for me, that was a bit of a, okay, Luigi, well, let's look, do a deal review as disappointed as I am, I need to go back and assess that, you know right. what, I didn't spend the required time with the people or I didn't enable him to help them yeah. get the confidence yeah. in the decision, right? So yep. it's on me, yeah? It's not on yep. them. So, you know, as difficult as it is. So Think about it, right, is, is the complexity of the buying decision is so high and we're saying, oh, help your customer that. It's like, I don't want to deal with that complexity either, but that, that's why you all get to go to the Gold Coast or Cancun or wherever it is that your presence club takes you is because you step up and raise your hand and say, I'm willing to wade into that mess yeah. and I'm willing to help my customer navigate what they themselves in their own organization declare that they are unwilling to do. That, yeah. That's why sales, 
it's it's an uh, not only an honorable profession that has my mad respect because it's freaking hard and and not just like like rationally but emotionally and I so yeah I'm I'm just agreeing with you now but uh, yeah I hear you. <laughs> Well, mate, this has been awesome. And as I said, I think we're going to have to have a part two and possibly a part three for those listening because I think there's so many topics that we awesome. connect on, Brent. Yeah. But, mate, now that you've moved, you're, you're yeah. doing a few things differently, where is the best place for our listeners to find and connect with you? So a couple of things. So I'm at this company called Ecosystems. The The website is ecosystems.us, at least for now. I realize for a non-US audience, that sounds kind of annoying. So we'll <laughs> work on that. So, But for now, we're at ecosystems.us. It is a software as a service platform, Luigi, that it's really interesting what you said about the other side of the desk and sitting with your customer, because what this is, is a it's a software platform that allows customers, suppliers and customers to sit down and collaboratively identify, discuss, examine the dimensions of value along which they want to measure a relationship and then track that over time. So it is it is exactly what you're talking about. This is why I'm here, because I just when I see what this software can do in terms of collaborative discovery, collaborative value mm-hmm. management, uh, it's super, super cool. And and it, it is sort of it's a software embodiment of everything that yeah. I'm talking about. So right now it sits under this umbrella called value management, but I think it's actually much bigger than that. But watch this space. When you live in a renewal world and you've got to have that monthly conversation with your customers around why is it worth them to come back and have it sign up for another month, you need yeah. to be able to clear, crystal clear on the value that they're getting in the first place. And the best way to the, figure that out with them is exactly what you said, is to don't do that across the table but to do that together on the same side of the table. And the software at Ecosystems, which is where I'm now, I'm, it's, it's, the only, it's the only vehicle I've ever seen to do that and do that well. So we're, we're building, so I'm, I'm doing, so basically I'm doing the same job. So 30 years in and I'm still researching, I'm, I'm researching, so my title is head of research and community. Yeah. So my job is to, to continue research in this world of buying and selling and value and to build a community around it. So you'll find out, you'll find me on LinkedIn and you also on the, um, on the website ecosystems.us under the, of all places, working on this too, but under the resources tab, there's a link to our customer value community. And we have got a great robust Slack channel and uh, webinar series. Thing. So if people are interested in hearing about that or just hit me up on LinkedIn and I'll, I'll point you to the right place. Well, awesome. So we'll put links yeah. in the show notes where everybody can find you. I'm going to check this. Uh, I love, for me, you know, the, the term value for me, I think is thrown around a lot in sales, but when you yeah. truly, really think about it, so I'm going to go and check this, check EK systems out. But again, Brent, I just want to say, mate, not just for myself, but I know, you know, there are thousands of people in our sales community that have benefited from your work. So I just want to say thank you, mate, because oh, thanks, you've Appreciate helped it. me. You've actually helped me just through your book, right? And through, and through your, through the content that you, that you put out there. So again, very grateful for the contribution you've made to our community. Oh, thanks. And you know, it's like I said, we're all in this together, man. And it's, it's humbling. So cheers. Appreciate it. 